welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. For those of you upstairs, open up your Bibles. We're going to look at two different passages today. We're beginning a sermon series on the miracles of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at the next six weeks leading up through the end of May, how Jesus was mostly known. I want to tell you all this. He was known as a miracle worker. If Jesus Christ was walking around today, we would know Him as somebody. Our community, this world, would actually be lined up all the way to downtown in a line for Jesus to lay hands on Him. And for Jesus to heal her. And for Jesus to give someone 20-20 vision. So what happens is Jesus is actually known as a miracle worker. That's what He was known for during His time. But what's powerful about that, and I believe that's what He would be known for us today, Jesus though, even though He was known as a miracle worker, do you know what He actually preached on the most? The most common topic that Christ preached on and taught is actually on the kingdom of God. That was the number one theme Jesus spoke on. So so don't miss this. He's known as someone who works miracles. So he gets the crowd with the miracles. And he could do it. You know, if you had a shriveled hand, or you had a, a leg that didn't work, and you've got a man, Messiah, who's right there healing people, of course you're going to go stand in line. Of course you're going to go tear a hole through the roof and see him. But then, when he got your attention, he started talking about heaven. He started talking and pointing people to how to be saved. The miracles were a glimpse of something much greater. The miracle was the attraction to say, yeah, I can heal you, I can give you 20-20 vision, but that's not what you really need. It's like Mother's Day. Yes, you want to come honor your mama on Mother's Day. But mamas, what what do your sons and daughters need? They need the Lord. They need to hear about how to live for Jesus and how to love Jesus and how ultimately go to the kingdom of God. So we're going to see here in this passage. Go ahead and turn Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 53 through 58. And then we're going to flip over and look at the very first miracle Jesus performed. This is how he honored his mother. It's in John chapter 2 verses verses 1 through 11. Matthew 13. And this entire series is actually going to start with this passage because Jesus here goes to his hometown and it actually tells us the Bible why he could not perform very many miracles. The hometown Nazareth that Jesus spent most of his life in, that he grew up in, he was not able to perform very many miracles in because of something. And we're going to see that. Verse 53, we're in Matthew chapter 13, verse 53. When Jesus had finished these parables, so he's going through these parables, he left there and he went to his hometown and began to teach to them in their synagogue. That's that's where you would go to worship on Saturday, back in Bible times. So they were astonished and said, now this is what they said. They're looking at Jesus. They know his mother Mary. They know his earthly father, Joseph. Joseph was a carpenter. Jesus did not grow up in Jerusalem. He wasn't even raised in Bethlehem. The man was raised in a small town. 
in northern Israel called Nazareth. It wasn't that big of a community. And he's in his local country Baptist church, and he stands up and he's, he's giving a word of the Lord. He's teaching. And the first thing they say, instead of thinking, wow, that was a great message, that really spoke to me. Young man, God's hand is upon you. Instead of saying something encouraging, the people of Nazareth Baptist Church had the spiritual gift of discouragement. And they're going to say a discouraging word. And this is what they say. After he proclaims the word of God to them, the first thing they respond, not, I need to get saved, you're the Messiah, what do I need to do to respond to you? The first thing they said is, where did this man get his wisdom and miraculous powers? Bam! Right out of the gate. First thing they want to know. How did he get so smart and where do these powers come from? He's performing miracles. Who does this man think he is? Where did those miracle hands come from? I know the street that he was raised. I know his mom and dad. That is the first thing they start thinking about. The miracles. Where did this come from? Now look at this. Isn't this the carpenter's son? That's like saying, didn't he go to Henry Clay High School instead of Lafayette? He went to the school that wasn't as good. He went to Louisville instead of Kentucky. The man's uneducated. His daddy's a carpenter. We, we know him. I mean, to put down is what they're doing. His father is Joseph. How dare he do this? You see what they're doing. They're just they're questioning where did he get the powers because they want to know. And he's an uneducated fool. That's what they're basically saying. How dare this young man come into our synagogue and teach us about the Lord? And they keep going here. So they put down his dad, and now, now next is Mary. We've got to make fun of Mama. Isn't his mother called Mary? Like, don't we know his mama? And his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Like, we know this guy. We know his whole family. And his sisters, aren't they all with us? I mean, they're naming the whole, they're, they're, they're tracking the whole family. They, they're identifying his lineage his upbringing, whose parents are, they're trying to make sure you know this is not the Messiah. It's not the Messiah because we know his mom, we know his dad, there's a little sister and a little brother over there. Y'all can't get on board with this guy. There's his family. Folks, when God starts to do something, people put you in your place by reminding you about your family. They're letting him know where his spot is in life. This is what happens at your home. This is what happens at your church, maybe even at Broadway Baptist Church where you grow up. This is what happens when you want to do something great and you tell your parents and they tell you to take out the trash. There's, just, there's no excitement. And then it goes on to say, so where... Does he get all of these things? They're using questioning. They're using these rhetorical questions not because they want to answer. 
They're trying to plant seeds of doubt in the listeners so the listeners don't follow the man. They're saying, you can't follow this guy and listen to him because we know his family. Where did he even get all this? They're trying to imply his powers might not be from God. you know where they came from? They came from the devil. That's what they're doing. They're planting seeds of doubt to the listeners. You discredit people who you don't want them to listen to. If you or I go out in our community, our lost, unchurched, unholy community we live in, and we start boldly proclaiming and living for the Lord, and I hope we do this, do you know you will be discredited? And you say, how do they do that? They'll let you know you're a right-wing extremist. You're a bigot. You're a racist. You're a homophobic. They just, any label you can throw attached to somebody to discount their message. And it doesn't matter if it's even true or not. They're just going to start, you just get attacked. A religious nut, a crazy man, whatever it is. That's what's occurring here. But they can't get away from the fact that this man had these miraculous powers. And they ask the question, where did he get these things? How can he do it? And what do they do? In verse 57 it says they were offended by him. How dare Jesus you come in here and teach us this. There's the door. You don't belong here. We know your mama. That's essentially, that is what they said. And look what Jesus says here. A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, in his household. That means when you go to your hometown and you go home, there's no honor there. And look at this. This is a sad Bible verse for the, for the people of Nazareth. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. He moved on. They did not believe him. They listened to the lies. They listened to the put-downs and the discounted comments about Jesus. And because they believed the people over the Messiah, their unbelief hindered and prevented miraculous things occurring. Do you know what a miracle is? A miracle is something that goes beyond science. A miracle is something that we cannot explain. A miracle is, occurs when logic... When health care, it only can go so far, and then the Lord steps in and takes it beyond what's possible. The greatest miracle of all is when someone is saved. And mothers, that's why it's so important in two weeks you bring your sons and daughters to church because you want your kids saved. The, the greatest miracle is salvation. The greatest miracle in the Bible is the resurrection. And do you know, speaking of the resurrection, the Bible actually tells us, you don't need to turn there, it's up on the screen, in Acts chapter 24, verse 15, that all people, it says here, there will be a resurrection both for the righteous and the unrighteous or the wicked. Do you know, even when lost people, when lost people pass away and Jesus comes back, they too will experience the wicked, the resurrection. Now, they're not resurrected to salvation, they're resurrected to condemnation. But the resurrection means second life. 
Even though we die, we live again. Even an unsaved person lives again. And the Bible tells us that this great miracle of the resurrection, which is a second life, new life, or for a lost person, it's it's a condemned life, a life of eternal hell for them. But for us, for believers, we are resurrected to go to heaven. That's the greatest miracle. And that's what we celebrated last Sunday in Easter. That's what's so wonderful about Easter. We're resurrected to the new life in Christ. And the Bible tells us here that our lack of belief, when we fail to believe Jesus can do the miraculous in our life, we will not experience and witness miracles. You know, the thing about miracles, it's easy to believe that the Lord did more miracles back in yesteryear, back in Bible times than He did today, but I don't know if that's entirely true at all. The Bible does not say that. The Bible records, so we see all these. I believe there's miracles that occur. I want to tell you, any time a prayer is answered, any time someone is healed, any time a situation that you could not yourself have worked through, and the Lord brought you through, and the Lord provided a solution, and the Lord worked a miracle, that is the Lord answering a prayer. And answered prayer is a miracle in your life. And we serve and we worship a God of miracles. Okay, flip over in your Bibles here. Here it is, the first miracle in the Bible, or first miracle performed by Jesus. It's in the book of John, chapter 2. And it ties in with his mother. And it ties in with his mother because his mother does something that in many ways pushes Jesus forward. And this is the power of a mother. Many times mothers, you raise your children, maybe even your adult children, but at some point mama has to push the children and says, alright, it's time for you to step out. It's time for you to take a big step. You can do it. Mary is going to give Jesus a push right here. And that push, because she's the one who believed in Him. And the the Bible actually says, the disciples at this point, they really didn't believe in Him. But Mary did believe in Him, because Mary knew she was a virgin when this child was born. This is the miraculous, holy child born in Bethlehem. So Mary was fully aware of who Jesus was. And Joseph was fully aware. Gabriel had appeared to him in a dream. Now it might have been likely at this point, Joseph had passed away, his earthly father. Jesus is 30 years old when this is happening. This is the beginning of his ministry. At this point, no one knew who he was. He had not yet revealed himself. And here comes the big reveal. It comes by the urging of his mother. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. This isn't far from Nazareth, and they're at a wedding. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. When the wine ran out, Jesus' mother told him, they don't have any more wine. They're out of wine, Jesus. So, understand, this would have been humiliating. Only one time in my church life 
have I actually been, I won't say humiliated, but we ran out of food. This occurred. And this was embarrassing. You know, churches, this is one of the great things. When a family passes away, you feed the family. You always offer that as a church afterwards. And the family came to the fellowship hall after the interment at the cemetery and came back. Well, we were playing, this is back in Georgia, we were playing about uh, 40, 50 folks. And, they, and you, you dread for this to happen. They brought 75 or 80. We ran out of food. About 20, 20, 25 people didn't get food. I mean, it's just, it's embarrassing. I mean, you're, you're scraping the plate at that point. You're just, you know, you're, you're searching the fellowship. You're opening the refrigerator looking for anything left. Well, that, that's just embarrassing. And at that point, you're telling people where the McDonald's and other places, you know, it's just, what do you do when that happens? This is what occurred right here. They're at a party. They're at a wedding party for this couple that got married and they ran out of wine. They didn't prepare for the crowds. And Jesus' mother just brings it to his attention. That's all she says. And at this point, understand, Jesus, folks, had not performed a miracle. I mean, he had 30 years just going about life. The, great guy, the man knew the Bible. He'd go to church and impress everybody. Like, he was very knowledgeable, but this, at this point, there were no miraculous powers going on. The last miracle that occurred was maybe at Jesus' baby dedication when Anna realizes this is the holy child and she's, they're lifting it up. Simeon and Anna dedicating the child to the Lord. Other than that, it's just every day. Jesus was 12 and then He's teaching all the teachers with His great wisdom. So Mary makes this statement. They don't have any wine. Folks, in your life, when you realize, uh-oh, I'm in a bind. I've run out of food. I'm out of money. I need help in this area. And Mary feels sorry for the couple. How embarrassing would this be? And then Jesus has an interesting reply. What a son here. What is this concern of yours to do with me, woman? I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would talk to my mother that way. But that's how Jesus spoke to his mother. I, and we'll, we'll have to give Jesus much grace in this. Probably in that time period, that might have been a way you would speak to your mother. And what he's saying is, uh, Mama, uh, what does this have to do with me? Like, what, why are you bringing this to my attention? Why do I have to deal with this problem? Notice what happens. She's just bringing it up to Jesus. Like, well, 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 who am I? And then she, he makes this statement. Don't miss this. My hour has not yet come. Meaning, I haven't even started my ministry. But ma'am, you're bringing it up. Don't miss this. Mary is starting Jesus' ministry. She's giving him that push, saying, all right, it's time to go. Mamas, I want to tell you, many ways you have to push your children. You push your grandchildren to Jesus. If you don't give them that push, moms and dads, grandparents, who else will? Because Mary's the only one. Mary loves her son. She knows who he is. She knows he can fix the problem. And only Mary knows this. Because I doubt Jesus' brothers, in fact, I know Jesus' brothers and sisters, they didn't believe he was the Messiah, even if he told them they were. 
Because at one point in the book of Mark, when he was performing a miracle, it said in Mark chapter 3, they went to him because they thought he was out of his mind, saying, Jesus, who do you think you are? You've lost your mind. Let's get back to the carpentry shop. And what is occurring here, Jesus is receiving the push from mama. Listen, parents, grandparents, if you have children, you need to push them to Jesus. Say, what does that mean, Pastor? How do you push someone to Jesus? Are you praying for people in your family to be saved? Let me say that again. Do you know, you have a prayer life. At the top of that list should be the salvation of your family. That is at the number one thing. Your husband, your wife, your children, you've got some family members and they're not here right now. That means they need a push to Jesus. Mary is urging her son just by bringing it to his attention. They're out of wine. Woman, why are you concerning me with this? What am I to do about this? My time hasn't even come. And then, look what she says. He just brings it to her attention. That I have not started my ministry, ma'am. You're, you're, you know, this is a, you're, you're, you're jumping the gun a little too early. You almost have to wonder, when would Jesus have started? How long would he have just gone on until he began his ministry? Because at this point, he had not began revealing himself who he is. And it says here, look what Mary says in verse 5. Do whatever he tells you, his mother told the servant. So apparently there were some servants standing nearby, and she doesn't really know what's going to happen. But she looked at those servants and says, you just need to do what he says. So apparently Mary must have had some influence. So this was somehow they had some connection to this family that the servants would take instruction from Mary. Now six stone water jars had been there for Jewish purification. Each contained 20 or 30 gallons. These were very large. Fill the jars with water, Jesus told them. So they filled them to the brim. Then he said to them, now draw some out and take to the head waiter. And they did. So they're, they're probably thinking, what are we doing? We're taking a cup of water to the head waiter. When the head waiter tasted the water, after it had become wine, he did not know where it came from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, so the servants are now aware, they realize what's going on. He called the groom, the head waiter, and told the groom, this is just some poor innocent groom. He has no clue in the world what just happened. I mean, you talk about a guy that's clueless. It's the groom. Poor guy is just happy to get married. He ran out of wine, didn't even know it, and he doesn't even know Jesus just performed the first miracle. He still doesn't even know it. And he's just going to stand there and smile. He's receiving the benefits of this miraculous event, this miracle, and had no clue. clue. So the groom hears this in verse 10 from the head waiter. Everyone sets out the fine wine first. Then after the people are drunk, the inferior. But you, Mr. Groom, You've kept the fine wine until now. Now, did he do that? Not at all. He didn't do that. He doesn't have a clue in the world. In fact, the exact opposite happened to this poor groom. He ran out of wine. He was so cheap, he didn't even plan enough. The poor guy blew it. 
But he went from being, because of the blessing of Jesus' miracle and the urging of Mama, he's receiving the benefits and the blessing of Jesus' miraculous powers. And folks, in our life, that's the same. This, we are just like the groom. We don't have a clue what's going on. Anyway, we are receiving a blessing and a benefit. This groom is getting elevated for his wonderful planning and wisdom. It was the exact opposite. Jesus did this. Look at this. The first of His signs in Cana of Galilee. He revealed His glory and His disciples believed in Him. Notice right there. He revealed His glory. What happened? His disciples believed. At this first point here, only Mama believed. Mary was the one The disciples had never seen Jesus do a miracle. They were following Jesus, but they had never witnessed the miraculous occur. After this, he went down to Capernaum, together with his mother, his brothers, and disciples, and stayed there only a few times. Jesus here performs his first miracle. The great thing about our Lord is Psalm 77 verse 14 actually tells us that God is a God of wonders. Some of your Bibles use God is the God of of miracles. This morning, we come to the Lord. We pray to the Lord, anticipating and asking the Lord to do miracles in our life. And that first and foremost, most important miracle for you and I is the miracle of salvation. We want to see people saved. You've come to church. You want to make sure you're saved. You want to assure the Lord that when your name is called, When you stand before Him, you will confidently say, Lord, I myself, I'm just like the groom, clueless, but because of the miracle of the resurrection, and I've accepted that in my life, and made Jesus the Lord of my life, I receive the blessing and the benefits of your resurrection. Do you know, our faith, our belief, our Christianity, we cling to, is actually one that looks back. In many ways, this entire sermon, we're looking back at the miracles of Jesus. But what's powerful about that, we have the confidence of the miracles of Jesus, we look forward. Do you anticipate Jesus coming back again? Do you look forward to the Lord returning? Do you wake up in the morning saying, God, could this be the day? Could this be the day that occurs? Look up here on your screen. I want to show you John chapter 14. Look what Jesus says. John chapter 14, verse 12. Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. Meaning, Jesus is doing all these miracles, these type of works. That's the type of works He's talking about. He's preaching, He's teaching, He's healing folks. And not only that, you you will do even greater works than these because I am going to my Father. Folks, we have access to what Jesus is able to do in what He's doing. Whatever you ask, in My name, I will do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You, We come to Jesus and we ask, in the name of Jesus, Lord, please do this. He says He'll do it. Last verse here. If you ask Me anything in My name, I will do it. The Bible tells us when we come to the Lord, we will do these things that Jesus has done. 
We will do even greater things that Jesus has done. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And I think what we see in this passage, in beginning this message here on miracles, where does a miracle begin? It begins with what? Listen to this. With what Mary did. Contrast the difference. Mary brings it to Jesus' attention. They're out of wine. At Nazareth, while Jesus is teaching the Scriptures to the people, they look at Him and think, this man is uneducated. We know his family. He's the carpenter's son. How we respond, if we respond in a sense of rationalization, that's what Nazareth did. They wanted to make sense of the situation. They looked at this guy and said, that's not possible. You can't do that. And I want to tell you, we respond many times, Broadway Baptist Church, like the people at Nazareth when Jesus was at the synagogue. We say, you're not qualified to do that. That's out of bounds. Who do you think you are? And Mary is the way we need to respond. Jesus, they're out of wine. I don't really know what's going to happen. I don't even know what to do. But Jesus, I'm bringing it to your attention. Because you're the Messiah. Folks, that's a miracle right there. Our response to different situations determines whether or not we believe. That's it. The miracle is based on whether or not we believe the Lord can and will do it. And many times we're living like we're living in Nazareth. We respond to Jesus and explain every single reason why something that can't happen. Listen, folks. You're here. You, some of you might have cancer. Do you believe the Lord can heal you? Some of you might be coming here and you have family members. You have a husband who is not at church and he is lost. Do you believe the Lord can save him? Some of you are here and truthfully, you have unrepentant sin that you need to repent you need to ask the Lord to forgive you and you need to go extend an apology and ask for forgiveness to the person you've been wronging. Unrepentant sin. Do you trust the Lord? Do you believe the Lord you can do it? The Lord gives us strength. He's the one that enables us. And you, well, many of us say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Jesus tells us, you just come to Him and ask. And greater things in our life can happen. We bring it to His attention like Mary did when the wine ran out. And Jesus takes it. We take our mess of our lives and we give it to Jesus' hands. And folks, the Bible says He's a miracle worker. He takes a mess. He takes broken lives. He takes people who are confused and He straightens them out and He sets their feet on solid ground, and they serve the Lord. And they live for the Lord. That's the power of the Gospel. And many times, folks, I just feel we're hung up like the people in Nazareth, and things don't happen because we don't believe. The belief determined the miracle. Folks, do you want a miracle? 
Do you want to see the Lord work in your life? Do you want to experience the power and the presence of God? It's not that He can't do it. We just don't believe He can do it. Or we don't even act and respond. We've given up praying. We've given up going to church. We've given up inviting people to church. You throw in the towel and think, I, God's just, you know, it's just frustrating. Lord, it's just not happening. I'm not seeing a blessing. I'm not seeing this occur. And I shared this a couple of weeks ago. It's like walking around, marching around Jericho. Could you imagine those Israelites? God said on the seventh time it's going to fall, but on number six they quit and go, we're tired. The blessing, the miracle, is in the belief and the faithfulness. Jesus tells us, keep asking, keep knocking, keep bringing that request to my Father in heaven because He can do something greater. What does a miracle look like here in 2022? A miracle today is an answer to prayer. Anytime God answers a prayer, that is a miracle. Because it wouldn't happen if you hadn't prayed about it. You're praying to the Lord. You've pleaded with God. He answered that prayer. And I want to tell you what else is a miracle. Anytime God is glorified. In fact, the Bible tells us there, in that John, John chapter 14 passage, that Jesus does things so His Father gets credit. A miracle is not for us. We're not the recipient of a miracle. We're like that goofy groom who just poorly planned a wedding, ran out of wine, and then gets honored by the head waiter for something he didn't even do. That's us. God is the one who gets all the glory. We are the groom that gets the benefits of it. The Lord wants to be glorified, not us. God doesn't want it. We don't need glory. We don't save ourselves. We don't do anything. We're utterly lost. We are utterly dependent upon the Lord. We glorify the Lord and we receive the benefits and the blessings. So if you are here and you have cancer and the Lord heals you and the Lord like Hezekiah gives you another 15 years. He didn't give you 15 years so you could just tour America and run around the world and have great trips and whatever you do. He gave you 50 more years so you can faithfully serve the Lord. So you can come into the sanctuary and worship the Lord. So you can have more prayers to the Lord. He extended your life for Him. He's the one that wants the glory. This morning I ask you, folks, when you look at a miracle, when you look at God working in your life, when you look at the Lord doing great things, how are you going to respond? The example, the very first miracle of Mary... Who just says, Jesus, they're out of wine. That's it. Bringing it to Jesus' attention. Or are we like the people in Nazareth? And we look at reason, logic, science. Look at family background. Look at education. And we just start striking people down. And all the reasons it can't happen. It can't be. This boy can't be the Messiah. Because of these reasons here. Folks, this morning I'm going to ask you to respond like Mary. Mary believed her son. The disciples then believed in response. And you and I here at Broadway Baptist, God is calling and asking you to believe in Him. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. Gene King, if you don't mind, come up here. Miss Betty, we're going to have our time of response. Some of us here, 
many of us here, you need to respond to God. Let's not be like Nazareth. Those folks had no belief. We boldly and courageously respond to the Lord. Jesus takes what little we have. He takes water, He makes it into wine. He takes a lost soul and He makes them a saved soul. He takes someone bound for hell, someone spiritually lost, a son or daughter whose mother's been faithfully praying for them. And that child, that son, that grown adult gets saved. I'm going to be standing out front. You come make it public. You come take my hand. Jesus called His disciples to follow me. And He's speaking to you. And He's telling you to follow me too. We boldly and courageously follow the Lord. This is your time to come respond. Come take my hand and get saved. Come take Brother Hurt's hand and join this church. And we respond to the gospel. Gene, why don't you lead us in our song?